0: And it's such a tough conversation because we all get too much email, and yet the solution for you and your business is to send more email. The key is if you're doing the things that, we, that we've already talked about, if what you're sending is really valuable information, then people will want to get your email. You have to be willing to do the work so that you can increase the frequency so you can stay in front of your audience. And so you know, if you were sending one email a month, you need to be sending two. But if you were sending two, you need to be sending four. And if you don't have enough worth saying, then we got to figure that part out right? Because that's what the real problem is. You're listening to the
1: Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with the talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hey, how you doing? Adam here, and I wanted to quickly let you know about a brand new 15-minute video training where I show you how to get 5, 10, 15, 25 or more predictable sales appointments every month in just 30 minutes a day, and how you can do all of that without cold calling, networking, relying on on referrals or any of that kind of stuff. Now, I've added that to the podcast gift page, which you can find at thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcastgift. That's thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. And you'll also see all of the other resources and gifts that I've created on that page as well. So hope you go and check that out and, uh, and enjoy what you find. So until you do that, let's get back to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, what if you could have scale and efficiency in your client acquisition by specializing in one form of marketing that has worked in every industry, in every market, and in every economic cycle for hundreds, if not thousands of years? Now, what I'm talking about here is word of mouth. and it Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And it's exactly what my guest today has been able to do. Now, he's a serial entrepreneur who started his first company at just age 14. And since then, he's founded, and invested in 27 com- uh, com- uh, companies Uh, Always seeing the same correlation, the better you are at marketing, the more significant the success. But as you know, it's easier said than done. In fact, he got so frustrated in trying to get great marketing help for his own companies, he actually decided to tackle the problem himself. As I said, serial entrepreneur, right? So as a programmer at heart, he began tackling marketing as a technology problem by following the data to understand what really works. This led him to go out and become the founder and the CEO of BoomTime, which he set up to enable smaller businesses to be able to compete more efficiently with their larger competitors by essentially creating a new approach to marketing, one that fuses technology and expertise together to deliver marketing as a service platform for B2B and law firms at scale. So I'm itching to learn more about how my guests can help you light a fuse under your marketing, and it's why I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Bill Bice onto the Client
0: Catching Podcast. Bill, welcome to the show. Adam, it's great to be here. That, that is an awesome summary. Like I get the sense that maybe you have uh, an idea of marketing.
1: I've been doing it for a little while, um, as I call it, 16 years fishing in the marketing waters, because uh, I'm sure as you found, and, and, and as I guess I've uh, I've pulled out there in the intro, is that sometimes this industry can be full of one or two sharks, and it's not always easy to to spot the uh, the good guys from the bad guys and the people that know what they're doing and don't necessarily know what they're doing. So. It, Is that the sort of reason why you took the approach you did with your current company?
0: Oh, it's, it's the biggest problem in marketing, right? The, if if you really want to help small businesses with marketing, you have to overcome everything you've ever done in your business before that didn't work and everything you were sold before that didn't work, which, which is why I really, you know, I I, I preach the opposite because there aren't any miracles in marketing. Like you, you have to take, a long-term strategy, you have to commit to it. You, you may get lucky and get some, you know, some early good feedback, but the reality is most of the time, it takes a long time and you have to get out of this, What you know, I call it random acts of marketing. That's what the vast majority of businesses do. And yet the only thing that works is to go after what are really the two, you know, the, the two biggest mistakes that I see in marketing over and over again. Which, you know, number one is talking about yourself, which nobody cares. You know it's got to be entirely about your audience. And then number two really gets at the the thing I was just talking about there, which is the lack of con- of consistency. And the way you get roi out of marketing is to pick a strategy and do it over and over again, the really hard work in the trenches day in and day out it's
1: it, It's like you have just sort of pulled the conversation out of my own head and and repeated it back to me because it's it's so, so similar to to the way I view it. and i I think that. Too many people are after a bit of a a magic pill, a secret hack, something that is just going to light a fire um, instantly and get them an instant result. But as I often say, the only hack or secret there is to effective marketing is developing that marketing strategy that is executed consistently. That's it. Like focus is one of the most important things as well, because, you you know, you're going to spread yourself thin you're going to do a lot of stuff and only do it half well. So, I mean, that's, that's a really big issue. I see, um, with, with the way people are marketing themselves or they're being advised to market. It's like, you've got to do everything and it's just not the case. So what is it then that, that is the sort of number one problem that you solve for your client?
0: Well, so what we do is, is, is follow the data to really understand what works. And because we've been doing that for uh, for six years, specializing in B, we've gotten we've gotten really good at understanding what actually works. We're doing it across hundreds of businesses. So that means we've got a lot of data to, to aggregate and and although there are no, you know, there are no miracles in marketing, there are Lots of little tricks that come out of that data that, that are at the tactic level. And so if you have the right strategy and then you're able to constantly update the tactics for whatever is is working because it is, you know, it is constantly changing, then that's a great advantage to have. And and so that's that's the benefit we get from from just living in the in the data. And so I look at marketing the the same, you know, I come out of the lean startup world and to me, you've got to do marketing the same way. It's a sort of constant iterative process. Let's do something, let's always be testing whatever, whatever we're doing, let's make sure there's a test in it so that we're learning from that. And that means every iteration we're getting better. And so if you're, in our benefits, we get to do that across hundreds of clients, but in your own marketing, every single thing you do, there, there has to be a test in it so that you're learning from, from what you're doing in that particular campaign. And what I'm always after is, well, what what is it that's really creating engagement with the audience that we care about? And if we just get better at that, if we're constantly focused on getting better at engagement, we know we're going to get better results from from the marketing. All the other data that we're really looking for, the thing we really want, which are which are qualified leads and sales, are going to come out of increasing the ga- engagement that comes from our marketing.
1: Mm, absolutely, and um, it's it's one of those things, isn't it that um, it's- we often get a little bit wrapped up in in ourselves and our business and what we need to do and all the rest of it. And we don't always think about the end customer. I mean, I I often say that actually you've got to think of your end client or your customer as ultimately being your boss because they are the ones that are paying your wages at the end of the day. And do you find often that um, some people, they approach their marketing almost like it's an event rather than it's a process?
0: I think almost everybody... Does it, it is the it is the problem with with marketing. It it comes back to that random acts of marketing. If if every you know marketing is just a series of events, and that's you know that's exactly what you end up with. And so that focus on your audience and and what they care about that's what makes great marketing. And so if you if you just if you change your perspective and make your marketing all about the challenges that your audience has in their business, their careers, whatever it is that you address. Your marketing will suddenly become vastly better and if you're sharing whatever the unique insight and perspective is that you have as your marketing, your marketing will suddenly be vastly better and it'll be much more effective because it'll attract yeah. the right clients and, and it'll do something also that's really important. It'll filter out the, the wrong clients. You'll, you'll attract exactly who you want. Yeah.
1: And um, as I, I've known my entire company around that very concept, I think like a fish, not like the fisherman. Um, you can't catch a fish with chocolate cake, even if you like it. Fish like worms. Um, you know, it's 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 marketing 101. So sort of talking on on the challenges. What are the main challenges that your clients come to you with and how do they show up before they've sort of engaged with you?
0: So we, we follow our own advice. So the way that we have grown is by doing exactly the same thing. So we don't run a bunch of advertising campaigns. I'm, I'm a big believer that you've got to build the marketing foundation before you spend $1 in advertising. And almost everybody has that flipped around because we all want leads and what you're constantly sold is spend money and you'll get leads. And yet if you don't have the marketing foundation in place, even if it, that works, even if you happen to choose an advertising medium that at this moment hits it and works, you won't actually have the mechanism in place to do a really good job of capturing those leads and following up with them and staying top of mind with them. Mm. So the thing we're really doing is addressing that marketing foundation. Let's let's be great at capturing all the referrals and leads that are coming to us. And you know we primarily work with, with what I call high-value B2B. So they, they have a direct sales force and it's just basic human psychology. If you don't see a commission check in the next 60, 90 days, that lead doesn't get a lot of attention. And yet they could be an ideal client six months, 12 months from now. So just putting in a basic level of, of catch, follow up, and stay top of mind has a, an amazing effect on on the growth for a company. Most companies, the growth they're looking for is sitting just within that, you know, that low hanging fruit. So those, you know, it's building that foundation that is what we really focus on. And we do it in a way that is, you know, we, we talk about word of mouth a lot because it's, it's the one form of marketing that has always worked. You captured it perfectly in the, in the intro. And the thing I love about us all being digitally connected today is that now we can really amplify that effect. It's not just this old school thing of like it just happens and, you know, we do a really good job of taking care of our clients and therefore we get referrals. If that's true, then that means you're in the perfect place to now amplify that effect and, and make it work on, you know, just on a whole other scale.
1: Absolutely. Because, um, yeah, we, we sort of covered just before we, uh, we, we, we hit the record button that um, when you talk to a lot of, a lot of uh, B2B businesses, the kind of people you work with, the kind of people I work with, often the first time when you ask them what's your um, best way of, of, of generating clients, they will say referral and world amount. And then you ask them the follow up question, which is, and how consistently are you getting those? Generally, the answer is, well, I could be, uh, you know, it would be nice to get a few more because there isn't that consistency. There isn't that sort of process or that system behind it. So why don't you go into explain a little bit about what your platform is and how that assists with that generation of word of mouth and referrals and, and why it's different from anything else out there?
0: So the, the challenge that I ran into in trying to in trying to go after this problem, like, right, because in in the businesses I've I've created, I've tried like every method of marketing. I've, I've hired the high end agency. I've built an entire you know the entire team internally. I've had a CMO with everything outsourced. It's like I've tried every model, and, and frankly, all of them have have challenges. Like they're just this is a discipline that that just resists attempts at scale and efficiency. You know, I joke about the fact that you go into marketing because you don't want people to know what you do, and it kind of captures like what's the problem with with marketing. So I really wanted to bring transparency to that, and it was just a matter of sort of knocking down each hurdle that came along the way of figuring out how to do this really well, and and in the end, you need so there's a lot of there's a lot of technology out there that's you know that's really amazing, but yet most businesses don't have the the time, desire, expertise to to implement that. And so what you really need is both. You need the technology and the expertise combined in one place so that you can truly get this implemented the right way. So, So we developed our own platform, Fuse, in order to deal with the technology challenges. But then we deliver it as marketing as a service so that you get the expertise along with it. Because I think you've got to have both. And, and you can put those pieces uh, in lots of larger businesses, put those pieces together themselves and do so very effectively. But what I'm passionate about is, is the small business where you know, the gap between the sophistication of marketing of small businesses and their larger competitors, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, and that, that's, that's the gap that I wanna close. And so I, I think you've gotta put these pieces together in order to, in order to really make that happen.
1: Yeah, I love what, uh, what, I, what I saw as uh, uh, something, um, I can't remember if it was on your LinkedIn or, or website, but it's like inside every small business, or we believe inside every small business, there is a big business waiting to come out. And I think that's a fantastic way of looking at things because th- there's value um, within every small business when they can actually offer a service, provide a result and an outcome that people want. It's just that getting it out there and, and, and sort of helping people discover it. And trust, and then be able to you know, systemize it and consistently deliver that message, to be able to scale and become that that bigger business that ultimately helps more people through not just helping the individual or the business. It's the exponential effect that you know currently we're seeing. Uh, you know what what an exponential impact of, of of something other than marketing and business can do to the world. But um, yeah, it's it's it's. I just really like. I just really resonated with, um, with, with that sort of idea of inside every small business is a large business. I just, yeah, I thought it was a really, a really good way to look at how, how important small businesses are.
0: Yeah, it's, it's where our invasion comes from. It's where our employment comes from. Uh, you know, I, I, I got my, my, I started my first company when I was 14 working with a local small family business. And, and I think that's where I got my, my passion for small business was. Seeing you know, seeing what that was, what that was like at a at a young age, mm-hmm. and and I've never worked for anybody else other than when I sold my first software company, which um, which didn't the working for them part didn't go well, the selling it did, um, but it it really gave me that that desire and passion around small business, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, and and but we have to we have to tackle this marketing problem because. Mm-hmm how good you are at marketing, it, it determines how much success you get. So on that, are you able to bring, bring what
1: you guys do to life a bit through maybe a, a client example, a case study, a story of, of the kind of process that people go through in order to grow in the way that you, uh, you, you want to help them grow.
0: Yeah, so I just interviewed one of, uh, one of the attorneys at one of our law firms, um, you know, law firms have always been based on word of mouth. You think about you, you need an attorney. What what do you do? You, you ask your peers who you should use, right? It's the way in which law firms grow. It's the same thing for, you know, for all professional services. Um, We've got a bit of specialty in that area just because I've worked in, in, uh, and our teams worked in legal for, uh, for a long time. And so this, this is a, Uh, intellectual property law firm and it's the the perfect example of of anybody that's in this kind of field where sharing your expertise is the best marketing and in law firms tend to find this difficult and it's just a more extreme version of the problem that that every business has which is it's really tough to get because what makes this kind of marketing work is really great content and it's tough to get really great content on a consistent basis and yet as we've talked about, that's, you know, that's the thing that makes it work, right? Is the consistency. So most businesses really have a tough time getting that done internally. So I, you know, I recommend you find somebody who already understands your audience, knows them well, and can take your ideas and translate them into content so that you're not staring at a blank screen. And it's not easy to do. And getting the voice right is really tough. You know, we've, we've built a a network of 300 subject matter experts to do exactly that. We don't do any of the writing internally. We use writers that come out of whatever industry, you know, that that client is talking to. And it's the only thing we found that that works to get to get really good content. Uh, And then we've had to put an editorial level on top of that in order to get the voice right, uh, because it's really difficult to find a writer who can all who can deliver the expertise and can make it come from you. Over and over again, that that is just the hardest thing, and it's really difficult to do for attorneys because one they write all the time, but they don't write for the more general audience of a client before you know before they are uh, uh, actually doing the legal work. And so, I well, can only imagine
1: that they're uh, that they're very sort of ingrained in the jargon that goes with legal, and if you're trying to attract people that aren't in that world it'll just go right over the head and, and to almost humanize the, the messaging and the stories that they have to tell is, is quite a challenge
0: that captures it perfectly and I, and I think most businesses have have that uh, that you know that same exact challenge like we, we live in what we do and and so you have to look at it from your audience's perspective in order to, to create great content for them so so we went through that struggles with uh, with with this IP firm and got to the point where we were really getting great content with them. They have a specialty in, in dental IP. And so of course, uh, we talk about that a lot. And and what was beautiful about that is right before we were, uh, before we were talking is they had just gotten a new client from Saudi Arabia. This, this is a a firm in, in the U S uh, that needed exactly their expertise. And they were attracted because of, you know, the steady flow of content that, that showed their leadership in this area. And it's, You know, it's what works that, that is, that's how you generate word of mouth. It's by sharing your expertise and demonstrating over time, how good you are at what you do. It gets people talking about you that otherwise wouldn't.
1: And so what's your process around distributing that content, getting it in front of people? Um, Do you have a particular way of doing it, a particular channel you focus on? Um, Because obviously we can create content, but it could be the most beautiful content. But if it's sitting on a hard drive, then. It's not gonna help us.
0: Yeah, so I I really believe in in the focus you were talking about. So, you know, in in most B2B, like if we if we do a really good job of your website, email, and LinkedIn, we're we're gonna we're gonna get the job done. Right. So the the website should always be the centerpiece. We always want to drive people back to the website. Um, you know, I'm I'm really big on email marketing because that's that's what we see in the data that actually drives the decisions that we're interested in. But surely
1: email is dead, isn't is Isn't email dead? <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's all social media these days, isn't it? Um, come on, get back into the, into the, into the current century.
0: <laughs> and it's such a tough conversation because we all get too much email and yet the solution send more email. And the key is if you're doing the things that we, that we've already talked about, if what you're sending is really valuable information, then people will want to get your emails. And, and so you just, you have to be willing to do the work so that you can increase the frequency so you can stay in front of your audience. And so, you know, if you were sending one email a month, you need to be sending two. If you were sending two, you need to be sending four. And, and if you don't have enough worth saying, then, then we got to figure that part out, right? Because that's what the real problem is.
1: Yeah. It's figuring out how to be the email that people look forward to receiving rather than the one that they're going to delete beyond, you know, before anything else. Right. It's, it's not easy because you have to really understand the challenges and what's going on with your clients and the kind of things that they're trying to figure out. And is that sort of how you use the data to find that kind of information out? Is that part of your process?
0: Well, that's the engagement piece, right? So the, the, the thing that we're learning from the data is what really interests people. So we'll, you know, we'll typically come up with five or six different content threads in terms of what we want to talk about. And I'm constantly surprised about what actually works. Like over and over again out of that, there'll be something that I think is a brilliant idea that just falls flat. You know, we'll try two or three articles in, within that thread and it just doesn't go anywhere. And something else I wasn't that excited about you know, that really hits the core thing of what people need and that's what they need help with. And, and the only way you can understand that is to, is to follow the data. Absolutely.
1: funny if I've got a, a number of things that I stick on my wall as reminders and things like that. And one of the things that I've got here is uh, you are not your client. Don't ever forget that. And you've got to understand that just because you think something may or may not work actually doesn't matter because it's all about what the client is going to respond to. And um, yeah, I think that when you analyze data, when you can look at trends, when you can see the kind of things, that are, I guess, are being shared in the industry that you work in, the things people are talking about, that's when you can almost sort of ride a bit of a trend. And you see it going on in all sorts of other industries. Media is a prime example. There's um, Obviously, this will, this will date this ever so slightly, but I've seen um, a lot going around at the moment with, I mean, we're doing this at the moment over Zoom about the security issues with Zoom. Now, I don't know what the amount of truth is in those. However, I can also look at it with a, with a bit of a skeptical marketing hat on knowing what media is like in that they are, they are riding a trend of something that is being talked about at the moment because so many people are using it. And how are you going to get uh, people coming to your site and sharing content or we'll write something about Zoom? And people will generally... Respond to something that is potentially negative because they're using something new and they want to read more of it, so they talk about the security issues. Now, I don't know, obviously, if there is that, but if you're sensitive information, we're not going to talk about it on this. But you know, if you are, maybe that's something to look at. But that's an example, I think, of of maybe what the data would show. But that's just an anecdotal um, observation that I've seen. Is is that the kind of thing that you you sort of you find within the data?
0: Uh, it is what, what we really like. So sometimes. Tapping into a current trend is, is, of course, amazingly effective. What What I really like to find are the long-term content threads for a particular audience so that an article we wrote six months and 12 months ago, we're going to be able to reuse that, right? Because yeah. if we do a good job of creating that library of content, then it makes it really easy to do the thing that's, that's super important, which is that you're constantly staying in front of. So we're really big on, on building a large network on LinkedIn. You know, I look at it as the, the ideal networking event. I only only get to meet people actually actually want to, um, but but that analogy you need to carry all the way through. Like if you meet somebody at a networking event for the first time, you don't just pull out your PowerPoint and start pitching them. I and mean, yet, so many people on LinkedIn do exactly that. And and so the what works is to stay in front of that audience on LinkedIn with really valuable insight over and over again. So, on a you know per profile basis, we want to create four to six activities a week every week. The easiest way to do that is to have this really great library of content that has sort of timeless insights. You know, it's it's perspective that's still relevant, even though the article was a year ago.
1: Yeah, and are you doing that via posts, via LinkedIn articles? Are you sort of directing people to your your, your other website? How are you sort of getting in front of the of of the people? Um on LinkedIn, for example.
0: Well, we always want to end up getting them back to the website so that we can capture their their email address for all the thing all the reasons we've uh, we've just talked about. Um this is the place where the the tactics can really make a big difference. So changing how you post on LinkedIn, just doing it the right way, will increase engagement four to six X. You know, LinkedIn really doesn't like links that go off site. So uh, you know, making making your post a link. Don't stop doing that. It's it's sort of the default behavior for LinkedIn and they're going to penalize you for it. And so you, you need to make the link to the article be the first comment, or you've got to come back and edit the post after you posted it and add the link afterwards. You know, those simple things really increase the organic engagement that you get. And the more you know, the more organic. Uh, feed you get with LinkedIn, the more opportunity you have to get likes and comments. And, and therefore you get the thing that is what we're after, which is everyday viral, right? The, the goal is not to have a, you know, one thing that just takes off like crazy. We want a consistent series of posts that stay in front of our audience over and over again. Mm. It's kind
1: of like asking yourself the question, what would you rather have? Um, one, one post that gets seen by 100,000 people or multiple posts that get seen by a hundred of your ideal clients every
0: single day. Exactly. And, 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 I, and you know, and that's what's so awesome about LinkedIn is because you're getting to exactly the right people. And then you, you get to show off how great you are at what you do over and over again. The, the random hundred thousand people, is just, it's just irrelevant. That's what everybody wants from their marketing. I would much rather have your approach.
1: Mm. It's vanity, isn't it? And you know, it's a, every now and again, if you get one that goes big, then all right, you know, it'll feel nice. but is it going to be the thing that uh, generally uh, brings you the, uh, yeah, the, the revenue into the business? And I'm not sure. Um, what's your opinion on building your network in LinkedIn? Because there are a couple of different um, schools of thoughts around it. One is that you should accept connections from as many people as possible. You should try and connect with as many people as possible to get a volume because that will help your network. Or there's a school of thought around it's about the quality of your network because of the way the LinkedIn's algorithm works. And if you're getting content in front of a big group of people, but only a section of them are going to find that relevant, then LinkedIn isn't going to pick it up and blah 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 blah, and, and get it in front of more people. So, are you quality or are you quantity, or is there a kind of hybrid in between?
0: Yeah, I, I think the I think the mix is really important, and and the reason it's important because there's a there's a portion of the quantity that's really crucial. Because if you look at what drives the acceptance of your connection requests? It, it really comes down to, to three things. You know, what's, what's in your headline, which shouldn't just be what your title is. It's got to be you know, what, what you're passionate about, what you're great at. Um, and then the, the, the next biggest driver is how many connections do you have in common? So surrounding your ideal prospects with connections in common before you actually reach out to the 100 perfect prospects is really important because by, by focusing on these three things, your headline, the connection message, making sure that it's personalized for each kind of audience that you're talking to and you're writing it for a one-on-one communication, uh, and then having connection requests in common, you can go from 30% of your, so if you, don't, if you don't do anything, about 20% of your connection requests are accepted. You just randomly send out connection requests. If you really nail it, then you'll get into the high forty, low fifty percent range. And of course, if we're if we're connecting to people that are our ideal prospects, well, we want to have done the work so that we're getting that fifty percent connection request because because the, the acceptance rate. Because then we're getting to exactly the right prospects. So there's an element the quantity is uh, is really important. So anybody who is connecting to your prospects, I would accept their connection request.
1: Absolutely, and what's your um, what's your sort of thinking around um, adding connection request notes to a connection request? Some people do, some people don't, and I've seen people running tests between, you know. So I'm not going to sort of reveal what the data that I've seen. Um, and actually, there's a there's an interview going with a, um, Aaron Ross on the podcast, which will be there when. This one goes live, um, of predictable revenue. And I know that those guys do a lot of outbound testing around this, but i would be interesting to know if you've done anything similar to see whether there is a, a difference in connection requested with a note or without a note.
0: So we, we see, we see much higher success with, with a note, but then the content of the note is, is really important. So anything salesy has just died over the last year. Like it, it worked 18 months, two years ago. But now we're all inundated with those kinds of, of requests on LinkedIn. And so we've just seen that approach on a, on a steady uh, decline. What really works are things that, that are much more genuine that, that come from building your network for the right reason on LinkedIn, to, to build a network that you want to add value to. And if that comes through in, in everything they see, who you're already connected to, what your headline says, what they see if they, if they click through to, to your profile, and what your message is. I mean, the biggest problem I see with the way people write messages is they start to think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a connection campaign, and I'm going to send out 40 or 50 connection requests a day. And then they start to write the message as if they're talking to 500 people, mm-hmm. but you're talking to one person at a time. And, and so it's really important that if you're running a connection campaign, that you do it... By role, where you can really talk to what's important to that person. You're talking to exactly the same kind of person at the same kind of company in this period of running the connection campaign and really is that making that.
1: Yeah, is that, is that something that your um, that, that your platform does? Is that something that the people behind the platform do? do you know, running the uh, the LinkedIn outreach for you know, for example, is that something that you guys help with? Is it is it a software? Is it an automation? How how do you guys sort of handle that for your clients?
0: Yeah, it's a mix. I mean, as you know, LinkedIn has has really uh, come down on on automation software on their platform, and so we've we've had to 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 do it well. We've had to do a mix of of automation and and people. Uh, you know, LinkedIn posts are are a great example of that, right? So the the only thing that really works for smaller businesses are are posts from individuals. What happens, you know. You should have a company page. You should have posts there. We we don't see any of the value coming from the company side, and, and so you have to do the posts manually on mm. the individual, uh, you know, each each executive's profile on LinkedIn. And so you just you have to have this sort of army of of posting and connecting and button pushing. Um, but then we put as much automation in that as we can.
1: Yeah, and uh, when it comes to connecting, doing the, the, the content and all the rest of it. What's what's your, your, your best piece of advice for nurturing that network and improving that sort of referability and, and generating that word of mouth? Is there anything that you do sort of, like, sort of different that you would be able to say, right, this is one of the biggest factors for the success that we see with clients in the way that they interact with their network to generate that word of mouth?
0: Well, I don't think it's different, but the the one thing that I... It, that I love to get a client to do is to have them spend Really it just takes 15 minutes a week. It's great if they'll do 10 minutes a day but the the time that that we want the CEO of the business or the, the So the executive team is much more effective with their LinkedIn profile So we'll use the executive team as the outreach that creates opportunities that get that get handed off over time to you know the rest of the organization but if we can get the, the CEO to go in and you know, Sunday morning just find posts of, of people within their network to comment on and like, you know, that's what's going to generate the same thing for their posts. And that's really tough to have somebody else do. That's the one thing that's that's really hard. So you can get your assistant to go in and, and make posts for you. Um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna go and comment on the people you know and the and the things they're writing about, we really need that to be genuine. Um, there are you know there are tools that fake that um, and it and it works, but I uh, I'm on the I'm on the genuine side of the fence of that because the, to me this is a long term play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's I think now more than ever it is becoming. It's almost going a bit full circle. It's around you know. That, that relationship piece, actually being genuinely curious and knowing what people are all about and, um, and, and actually genuinely engaging on the things that you find interesting, not just the things that you think are going to boost your own visibility and all that kind of thing. And, and I think that, yeah, uh, on that side of things as well, I don't know if this is your opinion or anything like that, but I think that the biggest, the biggest mistake that I see people on LinkedIn making is especially when it comes to the messaging side of things, it's like they're almost treating it like an autoresponder, and they're thinking message one, message two, message three, etc., rather than conversation. Actually, trying to find something interesting about the person, trying to find out what they're, you know, what where they currently are, where they want to get to, what the gap is before they even try and actually suggest whether or not it's worth having a an off LinkedIn conversation <laughs> around whether or not we are best suited to help you. With that challenge have you found that that's a, a, an approach that people are taking and it's it's starting to hurt people
0: well it's what the linkedin experts teach you to do right is that sort of autoresponder route and once again a couple of years ago it it worked but now i mean if, if, if you come to to uh the messaging from from one of your connections on linkedin and you see seven messages from them that you've never responded to I mean, it just turns you off. Like it, it, it does not work. I, I think it, I think we're to the point where it It not only does it not work, but it is harmful to the business to do that. So all of these, like, you know, automated, we will create appointment for you on LinkedIn things. I, they did work. The, the data shows that, that there was value there, but I think the, but one, it's not working today and the damage to, to your brand and to the thing we're really trying to get to, which is, which is word of mouth, it's just, it's just too high of a price to pay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of time we're a bit –
1: we've all got the pressures, haven't we, about the short term, right? We need to make something this month or the rest of it. But it's not to do that, the sacrificing of the potential long game because, you again, people talk, this whole thing of word of mouth. Like if you're going in a particular uh, industry and, and you start paying people off, They'll start talking. And you go, oh, I have got blooming rubbish message from this idiot, and blah blah blah. And they go, funny enough, I've got one of those, and that kind of thing can go round as well. And yeah, it's it's just not worth it. It's not worth the uh, the, the potential short term to sacrifice that long term because, as we sort of covered, like the biggest hack in marketing is playing the longer. That's it. It's not. It's not overly complicated. So. One it's thing I like, like to the ask, back, right, like, yeah. it is the hack. It is the hack. And, and unfortunately, it's not sexy and uh, it's not easily marketed, but it's true. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's not something, you, hey, why don't you spend the next 18 months building your, uh, your brand and your business so that, you know, you can blah, blah, blah. It, it's not sexy rather than, hey, in just 10 minutes, you can have this all set up and at the click of the button, you'll be a millionaire. Hmm, which one's going to be, you know, unfortunately, that's the darker side. That's the shark in the water type of marketing that, that is just not true. And um, yeah, I'm all about sort of being transparent as well and saying this is what it takes. It's not easy, um, but you wouldn't be in business if it was easy. Nothing in life is. But um, yeah, there we go. Sort of coming on to um, a question that I like to um, I like to ask people and, and someone with your experience I'm, I'm going to be really interested in the, in the answer. And that is, you know, if, if say, let's say something happens like the years of, um, you know, all of your, um, you know, the, the impact, the, the respect, the wealth you've created, the businesses you've created, all that kind of thing. If if it just suddenly disappeared, right. What's the number one thing you do differently to start it all again?
0: You know, the, the biggest, so I almost feel like I've made every mistake you can in, in building a business but I keep finding new ones. I know that's not actually true. But part of the reason I love working with entrepreneurs is because I, I, like to, I like to help business owners avoid all the mistakes that I've made. And it's so much easier for me to see the mistake you're making than you know, the, the mistake I'm making. That's true for all of us. Yeah. But the, by far the biggest mistake I've made, particularly when I started that, that first software company when I was 18, is I didn't accept mentorship. I, not only did I not seek it out, I didn't accept it when it, when it seeked me out. And yet it's the, it's the most amazing ability we have as humans, right? We have this ability to project ourselves into a future, understand what it looks like, whatever it is you want to do. Somebody else has already done it. So go find four or five people who have already done it. I I think that's one of the problems that people have with mentorship is they think they've got to find the one ideal person. No, go find multiple people, get this, get this broad perspective of experience. Because learning from that, there's so many mistakes you can avoid. You know, the, the problem with being successful with that first company is it made me think I knew what I was doing. And so the next company I created, you know what? It's still really hard. And it didn't go so well. So, it, it, you know, I had, I had to learn that lesson really the hard way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the easiest and best thing that we can all do, which is just go learn from people who've already been there. And I think it's particularly true in marketing. Like, whatever it is you want to do in marketing, somebody's already spent millions of dollars testing it. Why, why are we pretending like it's a blank sheet? It's, when, it's probably the thing that I'm most annoyed about marketing. Every time you hire a new marketing director, I guarantee you they will tell you the last guy was an idiot and we've got to start over. And it's the worst thing you can do in your market. Like, that, that is the definition of not having consistency. There was value in whatever you were doing before. Not that we can't make it work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's kind of like when, you know, when I, when I start working with, with people, it's like one thing I look at is, right, what have you been doing that's working? And why don't we, first of all, do more of that before we throw the baby out of the bathwater? And often what you find is you don't need to do like brand new lead generation. You have the opportunity that you have had right in front of you with your client around increasing that lifetime value potentially around the word of mouth around the referrals around built you know using uh, or turning your clients into bigger assets than the ones that simply provide you with revenue it's more these are assets that can help you attract more clients if you do it in a smart and effective way whether it's talking to them a lot of people don't necessarily like to talk to them pulling out their stories interviewing them that kind of thing and a lot of the times your clients can almost become a mentor. Um, you know, one of the best things or the best side effects of having this podcast, I feel like I get mentorship from a lot of the guests who are very, very smart and would not necessarily have given me, um, you know, a, a, up to an hour of their time to have a discussion and a conversation. And I learned so much. It, yeah. If, if you can't afford mentorship, here's an idea, start a podcast and start asking people, right? Because they will give up their time because you're able to help in return by helping them share their message and share their story and, and uh, yeah, what they, uh, you know, their mission with the world. And, and I think it's a fantastic way of doing it.
0: Yeah, that's why I love, that's why I love podcasting. And, and what you were just talking about, I think it's the most undervalued asset in every business, which is the audience they already own. It, most businesses aren't doing a great job of, of creating a central database of that audience because it's tough to do but the audience is there and if we do the effort to to capture them and build that database and then and then just use it and talk to them well really great things happen absolutely
1: and it, it and it all it takes is is a conversation sometimes just initiate a conversation and you never know where it will go so um i just want to say a a huge thank you bill um for being here sharing your uh, your time your knowledge and all the rest of it um what would be an ideal client for you and the kind of person that would benefit from um, checking out your stuff? I know you've got boomtime.com. You've also got a podcast that you run now on there um, and some great resources, but what's the kind of person that you um, you are best set up to um, deliver the all greatest value to?
0: So what what we have found, the kind of client that what we do works really well for is somebody I can sit down with. And, and so I asked the same question, which is, where you know where'd your last couple of new clients come from? What I want to hear, well, it was a referral because that's the thing that works. And what that tells me is that they've already done all the hard work, right? They've got a product or service, they've focused on taking care of their clients. It's working; they're getting some level of referrals today. They just need more of that to to happen. And so, if if that's the circumstance that you're in, then this word-of-mouth-driven approach to marketing is is amazingly effective. You know, our clients are typically two to 20 million dollars in in revenue that's that's in in uh us dollars um you know we, we have clients that are that are larger than that but that's kind of our uh our sweet spot
1: absolutely and and the website boomtime.com is is a great place to uh to, to start that journey is there anywhere else i mean obviously linkedin um, they can find you connect on linkedin are you active on other social media
0: um yeah where's, where's i to really focus on linkedin because that's what produces results for B2B and, you know, and, and we, uh, I have a marketing strategy that, that hates this term, but we eat our own dog food and, uh, and, and do exactly what we're recommending. It, it works really well for us because we do exactly what we see working for our clients. And so if, if you look me up on LinkedIn, you, you will see me demonstrating what I'm talking about. We, we take everything that we learn and we just share it because I would love for every small business to do this. And if you have the ability to do it the desire to do it in-house, then do it. The, the advantage of showing off the expertise is that most companies have a, have a challenge getting that done day to day. And it's exactly what you should do in your business. It's the same thing. Show off your expertise. People will want to hire you to do that. Absolutely. And I'll,
1: uh, I'll ensure that I put a link to your profile in the show notes. And uh, funny that you mentioned the, uh, the whole, um, eat Your own dog food for a uh, uh, sort of term because I've used that on this podcast a, a couple of times. And, and a previous guest, um, Ethan, uh, from Bomb bon, um, he came up with a much more elegant way of saying it because that's the kind of guy he is, right? And he talked about it's drinking your own champagne. So if you want a less uh, crude version to uh to maybe use in return, then there you go, you can use that one. Bill, thank you ever so much for uh, for joining me. I've really thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, and um, all that's left to say is. Happy fishing. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know there are a lot of podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen this one and I'm truly grateful for that. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love if you could just take a few quick minutes to share your thoughts and leave an honest rating review for the show over on iTunes. It's not only important for helping others discover the show, but I also read each and every submission personally, and they really do mean the world to me. So thanks very much in in advance and happy fishing.